once once I got to Bali, I was just I found these co-working spaces. I experienced more of the scene and just got more inspired and created more content than I thought I would. And I guess what drove me with Chris the Freelancer with creating the YouTube channel and continuing to make videos on it is just pure inspiration. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 93 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by my friend Chris Dodd, or as he is known in the online world, Chris the Freelancer. Chris is perhaps best known for his YouTube channel, which at the time of this interview has over 77,000 subscribers. Chris has traveled the world making videos focused on the digital nomad lifestyle and creating detailed guides for some of the most popular nomad locations. During this episode, Chris and I discuss why he decided to become a digital nomad after being an exchange student in the United States why he started recording his experience and publishing it on YouTube, and what the nomad lifestyle is really like, both the good things and the bad. But before we jump into the episode, I'd love to hear what you think about this podcast. I made it very easy to leave a review. All you got to do is just head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash TRL and write your review. That's it. It's that easy. It literally just takes a minute or two. If you're enjoying this podcast, leaving a review is one of the best ways to support us. Reviews are a key statistic that Apple looks at in order to determine how to rank a podcast. So your review will directly help us climb the rank boards and attract new listeners. So I want to say thank you in advance for leaving a review if you choose to do so. If you want to check out the full show notes and a list of resources mentioned on this episode, you can do so over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 93. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 93. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's jump into this wide range of conversation with Chris Dodd from ChrisTheFreelancer.com. All right, Chris, welcome to the podcast, man. Finally, you've been like one of the first people I wanted to have (laughs) on this podcast and almost 100 episodes and finally we get you on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. And sorry, it's taken this long. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're playing hard to get. Uh, but so, okay. So to start off, funny thing, we've known each other for like over three years now, I think. But you were actually one of the first people that I was like following online. Like you were kind of like the first like famous digital nomad that I ever met in person. So that's pretty crazy. Do you have people that ever like, do you have a lot of people that come up to you and are like, oh my God, Chris, how's it going? Well, yeah, it's funny actually because it very rarely happens in Australia where I'm from and now living. Um, but when I'm in, because you, you probably experienced this too, the digital nomad world is very small and concentrated. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in those hot spots, um, the experience is a lot different. So um, like last time I was in Bali, for instance, um, I was at Dojo co-working space and uh, they had like a Friday night drinks. And I think like five people approached me in that one night um, at these, at these drinks. Um, 
but then if I like, yeah, coming back home to like the Gold Coast or Brisbane here in Australia, it's just like very rare. Um, nobody has recognized me on the Gold Coast this year. Um, I did actually get recognized in Brisbane a few times. Um, and those are always the most, most uh, kind of, oh, cool ones because it just so rarely happens in Australia. Um, but yeah, it just, it just met, like we met in Budapest, right? That's right. So, it was like, funny because I, it was total roll of the dice. Like I just saw, I was actually in an, I was in an Uber or whatever they call them there. And, uh, I saw that you were there as well. And I just shot you a message and you're like, yeah, man, like let's grab drinks. And I was like, okay, that's cool. You <laughs> know, Like I was just getting started. So, yeah, no, it's it good. Um, yeah. And, uh, now here we are. It was funny because I think it was also that summer you came to visit me in Varna, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. what did you think about, cause you were in Sofia at first. And then I remember getting a message from you saying like, dude, we're so bored right now in Sofia <laughs> that like, we want to come to Varna. So why did yeah. you, why did you feel bored in Sofia? And like, why did you decide to like come out to Varna just to kind of get that? Backstory? Yeah. It's, it's a kind of, it's a kind of weird thing to, to explain to people who don't quite get the digital nomad scene, but I guess my passion lies with the scene and the culture around digital nomads. Um, so the travel part is exciting, obviously, but the coolest thing to me and the reason why I keep going back to the digital nomad hotspots is the community and meeting like-minded people. So one of the kind of disappointments, I guess you would say of Eastern Europe and kind of like a naivety of mine was that, Oh, these places are good. These places are like have good attributes for digital nomads. Um, I'm going to have, a similar rewarding experience to what I've had in Thailand or mm -hmm. um, Bali. Um, but then going there, um, I just, it just felt the same as it, it didn't, there wasn't that special feeling where mm -hmm. you have in places where, you know, there's these co-working spaces that are full of other digital nomads and um, events going on. It was just like um, Budapest wasn't too bad because, you know, there's so many, it's still kind of considered the digital nomad hotspot because um, it's pretty popular uh, in Europe. Yeah. And then like there's people passing through all the time there, but like, I guess Sofia Bulgaria was kind of like, um, yeah, I didn't um, apart from a guy I'd met previously in Chiang Mai, there wasn't really anyone else I, I met there. Um, and so you at the time were hyping, uh, Varna and seemed pretty good. And we just, we just, yeah, getting kind of bored and lonely in in Sofia. Um, so definitely glad we, we did that trip, um, to Varna. Um, it was, what did you think about it when you, I'm, I'm always hyping Varna. So what yeah. were your, <laughs> what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, we liked it. Um, obviously like the experience cause we were meeting you there as well um, was I think if we just went there by ourselves, we wouldn't have had such a positive experience, but um, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I you don't think of beach cities when you think of Bulgaria, or at least I don't. Um, I always think my friends think I grew up in like Chernobyl, like growing up, <laughs> I, my friends, I feel like always thought of it as this like Chernobyl esque place. Yeah. And then I show them pictures. And they're like, no, that's not, that's not where you're from. It's like, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. 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 Uh okay, so 
what I'm curious about is, and it's interesting that you say that you kind of get attracted to these digital nomad hotspots because mm. I, I, you and I are kind of similar in that is like, I'm also not so passionate about traveling. What I'm really passionate about are the, the community. It's this yeah. sort of energy that goes in the community, all of the different things that are going on and being developed. But unlike you, I get really hyped about yet to be discovered places, like places that would like mm. could pop. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like, I, I also think I love the community, but for me, it's almost like some of the, some of these places like a Bali or like a Chiang Mai that are almost like so popular for digital nomads are kind yeah. of like, it's almost feels, I talk about it on this podcast as the fizz. Like I don't really get the fizz there. I'm much the same yeah. way that I imagine you get that feeling in those places. What made you like want to become a digital nomad in the first place? Like, I mean, a lot of people, obviously, if they've never heard of you. I, we didn't really do like a proper, you know, uh, you know, kind of like saying who you are, but you have a very popular YouTube channel uh, called Chris, a freelancer. But what made you kind of go into the digital nomad sphere in the first place? Um, I guess it was a love i guess travel was the first motivator so i did a um and living abroad um i did a study abroad in the us um when i was at university um and i kind of wanted more of this travel live abroad experience but basically this exchange that i took this um study abroad experience uh it wasn't really good for my it wasn't really a career move at all i chose a um, not a great university based in LA because I just wanted to go to LA. Um, and I studied a bunch of random subjects. People ask me um, sometimes, oh, what did you study when you were in LA? And I'm like, I don't know, just random stuff like <laughs> Spanish real estate. And a lot of this stuff I was like, it's not even relevant to me because the real estate class I did was super American focused, obviously, because I was mm -hmm. in America and like the laws are completely different, you know, here and other places in the world. So I kind of enjoyed the experience, but I realized I was kind of like, I wasn't growing in my career or like building anything. So when I came back, I was like, okay, so it's time to go back to university, finish that um, and have a career. But I'm like, oh, I still want to have this experience of traveling and living abroad. Um, so kind of what happened was I was studying accounting and um, I was just like, I do not want to be in this nine to five corporate dread. Um, so I was like, what's the alternative? Okay. Well, what about like startups and, you know, fast moving tech companies and that, that's like kind of more exciting than just going to work for a big four accounting firm. And that was kind of, I, I was in that world a bit for a while. And I was like, Oh, thinking of like what apps I could create and all this kind of stuff and went to like, um, uh, like co I've started at a co-working space that was tech focused and went to like startup uh, kind of meetings and stuff. So I kind of got involved in that community and that was a gateway into discovering about digital nomads because I found an article about a guy called um, Peter levels, uh, the founder of nomadlist.com. And there was an article written about him. Uh, I think the article is this guy started 12 startups in 12 months so startups was the gateway into reading this article and it was in like a tech um, online magazine. So it was relevant. And then he had this story of like, he 
had a study abroad experience. He liked living abroad. Um, and then now he travels and makes apps. And I was just like this, like that. It was just like, I wanted to travel. I wanted to like build something, have a career. And as soon as I found out you could do both, I was like convinced I wanted to do it. Um, and then, so I just started looking into it. Um, luckily my partner at the time was, uh, on board with it as well. Um, uh, which was awesome because looking back on it now, it's like, it was great to have a partner to do it with. And that kind of, Some took support. Out of yeah, it kind of took out a lot of the, um, I didn't really have to sacrifice as much by leaving and I had somebody there, you know? So yeah, we made this plan. Um, she was in same university as me um, and in a sales job. She transitioned into digital marketing. I transitioned into web development. And about a year after we made that decision, we were off. Um, and basically, no, no apartment. Um, all our stuff packed into a, a suitcase and carry-on. And um, yeah, started out as these uh, fresh, naive digital nomads. It's almost the best way to start is naive. Because like in, in leaving you know, university, you probably didn't have like tons of bills or you didn't have a lot of this baggage that comes along with like living an established life. Like even yeah. Sarah and I now, you know, because of COVID, we had to get an apartment because we we're like, we don't know we're going to live for a year. Yeah. Um, and even now, even though I'm itching and I cannot wait until the moment that I can like hit the road again with just like two backpacks or whatever, I know that that process is going to be way more difficult because there's all this shit that we bought you know what i mean it's like where are we going to store it you know all this kind of stuff so it's almost easier to yeah. leave when you're kind of like you don't yet have any of that like stuff that you've attached you know yeah at what point did you start and why did you start recording all of this on youtube and like posting videos yeah i guess uh to trace back to kind of my childhood in high school i always loved making videos um, I actually graduated first in my film class in high school. It was a small class of like maybe 10, but I really put effort into the videos. I, um, made the, um, kind of, they used to have somebody make uh, sporting promos for the major sporting events at the school. And I would make, you know, a bunch of them as well. So I really loved making videos and I had lots of, um, I had, you know, assignments and then those videos to do. Um, so I had an application for it, but then when I left school, I didn't really have a reason to make videos. Um, and then when I discovered this digital nomad thing, I went straight to YouTube to, to look into it. Cause I prefer to, especially with this sort of thing, I think it's, you know, like who really reads travel articles now mm -hmm. when there's travel youtube like it's just it's richer media and you get more of a sense of it it's more engaging entertaining for most people um and so i went to youtube to look up this digital nomad thing and whoever mentioned it mentioned it briefly and it was like an it was like a um just like an off the cuff thing like it wasn't there was no channels focused on it um, there was no one like, like dominating the space in a way or the niche in a way. Yeah. I felt like there was a huge gap and um, I was like so excited to kind of fill that gap with um, I just thought the novelty of like going to Bali and 
working a full-time job at the same time. It's like, it's so outside of a lot of people's realities. Um, maybe less, probably less so now due to like, it's four years later and uh, almost five years later now. Um, and, you know, the pandemic has pushed more people into remote work. But, you know, five years ago, especially, it was like, uh, you know, so far out of people's reality. I remember my dad saying, oh, you want to work remotely in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand? You're dreaming. Like he just, he just, it did not make sense to him. I'm just like, dad, I work on a computer. I can just connect to the internet from Thailand and work. What don't you get about that? And he's just like, oh, I just don't see it working. Like, because it's so far out of like the norm for a lot of people. Um, and I felt that like kind of novelty as well. I was excited by that whole novelty of it um, and uniqueness of it. So I was like super excited. As soon as I got to our first stop, which was Bali, I made a video um, just a week in the life working full time, but living in Ubud, Bali. And um, yeah, still, still like um, looking, look back on that video and still like still happy with it, you know, like, um, and then of course, once I got to Bali, I was just, I found these co-working spaces. I, I experienced more of the scene and just got more inspired and created more content than I thought I would. And I guess what drove me with Chris, the freelancer it, it, creating the YouTube channel and continuing to make videos on it is just pure inspiration. Like I don't, um, it was never like, Oh, I can make money out of this. It was never, um, I never had to force myself. I was just inspired. And, um, uh, I find myself really excited to fill gaps rather than enter competitive markets. Um, what do you mean? So like, so like, I think that if there was a channel like mine that existed before, uh, when I went to YouTube to look it up, I don't know if I would have created the channel or I would have been so excited to create the channel. Um, mm. same thing with my coding channel is kind of niched on a specific area of web development, um, which is uh, Shopify theme development. I wouldn't have been so excited to jump into that niche if it was basic, if it was already filled by a large number of people. Um, but basically when I started producing content in that niche, it was basically YouTube was dead for that information as well. So I kind of, when I see gaps where I feel like I can fill that, that's like really motivating for me to, to jump in, um, and do it. Whereas if it's kind of already been done before, um, I'm less motivated. And that's probably part of the thing that holds me back in business too, is, um, you know, generally competitive markets are where the money is. Um, but this is more for me is more of like a creative thing. I'm like very excited to create things that, did not exist before rather than creating my own version of something else out there um, and trying to compete with them. Um, it's more of like a creative thing than a business thing. Do you look for, like, do you have some sort of gut feeling or something like that about what those gaps in the market feel like, where you feel like you can do something or do you just roll the die? Right? Because like, like you said, one of the reasons why people, um, you'll hear a lot of times advice in businesses, like don't run away from, from competition because usually competition yeah. means that there's proof of concept there, right? Yeah. It's much more dangerous if you're like, I have this crazy new idea about this thing to create that no one's ever done. And it's like, well, is it because you're 
so genius that no one's ever thought of it before or is it because there's really mm -hmm. no money in it so do you yeah. and obviously with your channel you've been very successful and with your uh you know shopify coding you've been very successful as well so you seem to be kind of like like do you have a gut feeling about it where you feel like something about this sounds right or like what really makes you confident to run in that direction yeah for me it's like again going back to that create like that creative expression, that inspiration. I was excited by this. It was a combination of being excited about this digital nomad scene. Number two, like having a passion for creating videos and like a kind of ability that I was just sitting on that I wasn't really um, act, like, I like to make videos, but I just wasn't. And then this was like an opportunity to do that. And then three going on YouTube and just seeing it when you type in digital nomad to YouTube and seeing that, there was basically nothing there. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it starts with a genuine interest in the field. And then when, when there's that information is not getting out there from anyone, it's more motivating to be like, Oh, well, this needs to be out there. So I'm gonna, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be the one to, to, to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree. That's what I was kind of saying with the, yeah, the business business thing is like, you know, I looked into kind of creating, um, when I look into creating pure businesses because the, the Chris, the freelancer, you know, you, you said um, the YouTube channel, you know, you mentioned it's successful from a financial perspective. It's, it's, it's not really successful, but uh, it, it's, it's all been good um, to kind of grow that audience because mm -hmm. you're able to leverage that in other ways. Um, but yeah, for me, it was never like a, a business thing. Um, I think if you're looking to, um, create, uh, I guess one of the areas that's not really creative, that's just pure business for me is, um, providing Shopify theme development services. Um, I noticed that there was a gap there. Um, and I took the steps to learn that so that, I could fill that gap. Um, but there was, I could tell there was like a lot of demand for it. There was just not a lot of supply of developers. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, it's not really a, I guess it's not really, that's not really competitive either, but there's just a, there's a proven demand. Whereas when I started, um, the digital nomad channel, I, I thought I would peak it. I was like, I reckon I could get to 2000 subscribers because I'm like, who else is looking up digital nomad? Um, but the, the reality I think is I started to realize pretty soon after like my channel started gaining traction that a lot of the views were from people that did not know about this beforehand and were just discovering it um, or were kind of not in the scene, but, or like even thinking about being a digital nomad, but just kind of watching from the outside. Um, and it was like digital nomad porn essentially <laughs> yeah you know? so so like yeah, so a lot of people like watching i guess watching it and find like my friend um who's also on youtube um um patty um from the budgeteers mm -hmm. um he uh he says he 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 said we met through youtube um he's not a digital nomad he's not really uh he's a he's a teacher in thailand um but um they, you know, their YouTube channel is pretty successful, so they could possibly go into it full time, in which case I guess he would be a digital nomad, but he says he's more into like, he likes me, like he likes watching me and my channel because I'm, I'm 
I'm really kind of good at my niche. Like I'm, I'm really focused on that. He says he watches another channel that was all about ants, you know, <laughs> and he's not growing ants, but he watches this one guy who I, I still haven't, I still haven't asked him what the channel is, but apparently there's this guy on YouTube that runs a channel about ant farms and observing how ants interact or whatever. And he's just the best at doing that. So like he was interested in watching that. So like, I had this assumption that only other people like me would be watching me, but I don't think you grow. To, I don't think you grow to like the subscriber numbers I have and the, the view count I have with only people that were like me and already knew about this digital nomad thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think also in terms of like the whole going only into niches where there's like competition, I think it really depends on like the type of person you are like i think you know you kind of you can almost look at it like two different camps it's like are you a creative who just likes to create stuff and it's not so much about the money right like you'd want to do it even if there's no money attached Mm. to it or are you like an analyst right so like if we compare the two type of people where it's like you have the peter levels who's like i just want to do cool things and i'm going to make 12 startups in 12 months that's one approach yeah. to do it where you just get so many repetitions that one is eventually like going to do something, right? Like one, yeah. you're going to eventually hit something versus like I have friends who have consulting backgrounds who have like worked at like McKinsey, for example, and they are like spreadsheets. Do you know what I mean? Like they analyze yeah, yeah. the different things. And so you just kind of need to know which type of person you are, which like thing do you fit into and then like go into that model. So like where you're, I feel like you're more of a creative and you're just kind of like, I'm just going to roll the dice on something that feels right and it's fun and eventually something's going to pop, right? Yeah, that's 100% true because being in this digital nomad world, I've had the sometimes awkward conversation with uh, people that are of that more analytical, make money online type mindset. And Uh, I remember the first guy who spoke to me about my channel and kind of monetizing it. I think I was at 4,000 subscribers and this digital marketer friend of mine was just like, he saw the 4,000 as traffic. He's like, you've got 4,000 people to sell Mm -hmm. to sell them stumping. And I was just like, ah, like what? I'm like, (laughs) and then I've had the conversation so many times, like um, about leaving money on the table. You know, there's, Mm -hmm there's a lot more value I could squeeze from the audience. I could build a business based off of it. You know, I could, um, do Cause so how many, many subscribers things. do you have now? Like you, you were, you know, you were saying you, this guy was telling you this at 4,000, but you're now at what, like 60, 70,000 subscribers. I think it's at around 70. I can just check now. 77.5. Like, okay. So w- what is, because you said that, it was your channel was successful from the point of view that there were a lot of subscribers, but not so much like financially. Like, why is that? Is it because you're not focusing? Cause I know a lot of people like that is a really big number in terms of like subscribers. And I feel like there's people who have way smaller numbers and are like full-time YouTubers. So like, yeah. what are they doing that you're not? And like, how come is it just because you're not interested in it or just yeah. because it's, it's more of a mindset for me. Like I am confident I could create a full-time business just off the YouTube channel. Um, but it, so, so one of the ways that, um, 
YouTubers monetize us through sponsored videos. And, you know, I pretty much have, I've never taken money for sponsorship before. Um, mm. Just because like, I'm so into the video I, and I want to make it exactly how I want it. I don't want to put a sponsorship spot in until I've made that mental switch where I'm like, okay, this is a business now. Um, and I'm going to produce to a certain schedule. Um, and you know, there's a sponsor in each video and I can make this much per month. Uh, that's, it's not going to happen until I have that mindset. Whereas mm. I, I basically, the, the channel is part of my creative expression. It's part of like living, you know, you it's working and living. Right. And to me that you might, somebody might look at the amount of time I put into a single video and be like, Oh, look at all that work. Are you getting a return on that in terms of money? But I get a return on that in terms of excitement, enjoyment, um, uh, looking back on it years later, even months later and being like, I, 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 um, watch my own videos, you know, like I'm, I'm a fan of my own, sh of my own stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, for me, it, it's hard for kind of maybe those people that aren't so creative or whatever, um, to understand, but to me, I get a huge benefit out of it. That's non-monetary. Um, so something else I've also done throughout the whole process is I don't, because I don't consider the channel a business, I don't, I'm not creating my a job for myself. So I've, mm -hmm. I've only taken opportunities to, for passive income stuff that doesn't require me to make a commitment on like producing a certain number of videos per week or, um, you know, having a client to attend to. Um, if I'm going to, um, you know, create a job for myself, I'll just get a job, you know, or like, right. you know, do that when I work with my clients, you know, for my clients, I, I, you know, I, I do what they need of me, but with YouTube, it's like purely kind of selfish. And I think there's like a risk with, if you monetize your passion or like turn your passion into a business, depending on how you do it, there's a risk that it's not a passion of yours anymore. Right. Or you lose the, It'll kind lose of, the love of You'll it. start to hate it. Yeah. Um, especially if you can't execute on the creative vision that you really wanted to, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I did a bit of um, freelance videography last year and, you know, I would film the video and I had my idea of how I thought it should look and they had their idea. I found it, kind of unsatisfied, like not fulfilling in the sense that they made all the creative decisions. And that was something I've been used to being my own, you know, content creator, making videos for YouTube. I'm totally in control of the creative process. And I love that. Um, so yeah, kind of uh, depending on how you do it. Um, I mean, if you, as a creative, if you become so successful as and can be considered an artist, then uh, the clients come wanting your particular style and give you full mm. reign. So you kind of see that with um, some of these uh, YouTubers that are filmmaker YouTubers, they have such a distinct style that they get approached because they want um, that particular style that's unique to them. And so they kind of have, that's what they're there. That's what they've been hired for you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so to get to that stage is, I guess, is the ultimate as a creative. Um, but yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not gonna kind of sacrifice what I want to do creatively just for a bit of money. Mm. Um, and that's just, that's just a personal mindset, you know, to shift into a little bit more of the digital nomad stuff, because Mm. I think you have probably out of the people that I, I personally know, I think you have the most experience in terms of like a wide ranging, uh, sort of like life centers of digital nomad. Like you've really experienced a lot of what the lifestyle has to offer. Yeah. What do you think is, what would you say is the biggest benefit of being a digital nomad and what is like the biggest negative? Um, one thing I'll just, before I answer that question, one thing I'll say is that I have realized that even in this digital nomad scene where people are generally like-minded, there's still a lot of variability within that and a lot of people get into it for for different reasons um for some people it is literally just money you know like oh i'm gonna go start my business in vietnam or thailand because i'm just trying to increase my runway and i have no Mm -hmm. interest in thailand meeting other people so i've met some of those people where it's just a financial decision um for me this wasn't as big of a this is more of a general thing but I feel like being a digital nomad is important for a lot of people or like tr- long-term travel in general and living abroad is, is, is important for like a lot of people to kind of just have an open mind in terms of culture. Um, you know, like uh, I think especially in America, you guys have a problem with like not many people traveling, right? And then they kind of form these mindsets that are very American I'm not saying that anything's wrong with that, but it's just like, it's almost like there's no other way to do things or that there's mm-hmm. no, um, they don't. And, and there's a chance that they might not appreciate what they have living in the, you know, you talk about the top 1%, you know, or the, or, or of, of wealthy people. I heard one thing that if you live in America, you are already in the one top 1% of the world. Oh yeah. So, I think most so you, Western countries, like if you're Australian, yeah. American, British, hundred percent. Yeah. We already live in the 1%. It's just a matter of what world are you looking at? If you're looking mm-hmm. at the United States of America and maybe you earn minimum wage, then, you know, you're in the 99%. But like, if you look at the world overall, you know, you, you, we're so lucky to have come from Western countries Um, and so one thing that travel has shown for me is that, um, has an, is an appreciation for my own country. And also when, you know, some of the issues that people are angry about here and like, uh, kind of whinging about like politically are so small compared to some of the political issues in other countries, like corruption, uh, famine, like all sorts of, not that I went to any countries with famine, but like. I went to countries in Eastern Europe with lots of corruption and mm-hmm. like, and like Australians, for instance, are uh, complaining about, Oh, I can't afford an extra investment property. You know, it's just like, well, look at you. You're like, you're wealthy. <laughs> You've got food on the table. Um, you know? And so like, I feel like it's, it's important to have that perspective of like how the rest of the world does it. And mm-hmm. if you've come from a great the Western country, a place that's like a wealthy country, it's, you sh- it's, it's good to appreciate that. Um, well, and on that note, like, I think being a digital nomad is really like, 
the the thing that's really shifted for me is like the focus on being a global citizen. Like exactly mm. what you're talking about is like looking at the world and what's happening in it from that perspective of like a, yeah. this like the big like the big picture of it, right? Yeah. Because then it's like it's you know it it kind of things start to make sense. Like the reason why Americans don't travel and aren't as educated about the world outside of the U.S. is that one, the U.S. is really big. And two, mm. even if we have all this technology and you can hop on any plane to go anywhere, like geography still matters and you're separated by two giant oceans and you're only touching two other countries. Mm. Well, if you grow up in Europe where it's literally like everybody's stacked on top of each other in terms <laughs> of territory, like yeah. you, you can't not, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. so I do, I totally agree with you it's there's there's i also like the thing for me is like i get really irritated and this is gonna really rub some people the wrong way i'm probably gonna lose some yeah. subscribers about this is okay. when people complain about like immigrants coming and taking their jobs and i'm like dude mm. if you think this is bad wait wait until remote work like really takes off and ai takes off and like yeah yeah you know people from like Europe are taking their jobs without even being immigrants. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So it's like looking Absolutely. at this big picture is like really important because it kind of like, it allows you to make better decisions. I think the more narrow your scope of view is, the more difficult it is to make good decisions. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Before, before we jump into the negatives, I'm curious because you said that you have personal benefits or personal yeah. things that are for you, but that's kind of a general, what's like one personal one? Um, yeah, for me, I've met really good friends through it. Mm. Um, and just, it's been way easier to meet people, um, uh, that are like-minded and wanting to hang out. A lot of that is to do, like I say that to people back here and a lot of them are just like, well, that's cause you're traveling. And I'm like, yeah, I acknowledge that. Like when people are traveling outside their own environment, they are more likely to want to make friends. Whereas if you're, yeah, in you're more of, open stable environment where you don't travel you kind of stick with your existing friends and it gets very cliquey um but like um yeah with so that's a factor yes you you know if if i fly over if if i'm go to the co-working space in bali those people aren't probably they aren't where they grew up with their family and their existing social structures so that does make sense but then there's also the argument i say to those people that kind of trying to just say, oh, those are just travelers. They don't quite understand that the friends that I've made and the connections that I made while traveling have stuck. Like I'm still good friends with those people. I'm still um, like I went back to Chiang Mai at uh, the start of this year after having been gone for a year and a half, bumped into so many different people. And, uh, and like, it was very social experience for me. Like I was meeting up with, for the first week, I met up with like a new person every, every day almost um like some was just completely random like met one guy on a cruise nomad cruise you know three years ago and he was suddenly there in Chiang Mai wow and then just hey let's have lunch and others were like I already knew they were there but um I've actually made real connections and I think a lot of people that one of the mindset shifts is like this kind of lifestyle is not like normal travel like it's just when people they're taking their two week vacation, they stay at the hotel, they kind of do the tours 
maybe they'll meet some people that went on the tour with them, but it's not, it's just not the same, you know? And they kind of compare that. They kind of look at that and be like, uh, yeah, I've met people while traveling too. You know, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But I'm not, it, it's, it's a different thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that community, that scene, that meeting people, um, has been a, a giant benefit to me. Um, creatively, it's given me something to channel my, um, you know, my creativity in terms of video, um, into, um, so that's been great. So I've been able to pursue my passion with it. Um, uh, what about a negative? A negative. Okay. Um, I guess I think this is the thing that a lot of people don't touch on. Like, I think a lot of people talk about the good things, but they don't Mm. talk so much about the bad things. Although I will say, I think it's like a YouTube thing now where I've seen, if you type in digital nomad, I think like four out of the top 10 videos are all like why I quit being a digital nomad. Yeah. Yeah. I like clicked on the, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I get caught on your question when I say neg when you say negatives, but I guess the other the way you can frame it is realities. You know, realities mm. that aren't necessarily um, uh, perfect realities of a digital nomad lifestyle. There's like certain issues with being unsettled. You know, um, like right now I'm at this co-working space and I I booked a permanent desk, so I've got like this screen plus two monitors, and it's like ergonomic, and it's and it's like I love that. You know. Um, doesn't mean I'm not going to travel because I just love my desk setup, but that's one thing. Um, there are issues, like I said, with the meeting people is easy and I've been, had a good experience with that, but I know people that, um, my friend actually, she was staying in Ubud for a long time and she said, uh, Ubud in Bali for those that don't know. Um, and she said within the first few, uh, week she met a, a girl who asked her straight up, how long are you staying for? And, and the, the, the reason why she asked that question is she didn't want to invest in a friendship that where the person was just going to leave. Um, Mm. I don't quite understand that perspective, but I, I get, I get that, you know, it would, I've never really settled completely in any one of these digital nomad destinations, but settling somewhere where, or where it's completely transient, where you want stability is going to be, you're, you're going to feel that. But for me, I'm like, if you want stability, I would just go home. You know, like right, I would right. just, if you're from the U S but some, you, you know, like for yourself, you you're from the U S you went back to the U S for me, my home still feels like Australia. It's still Australia. Um, so like if I want that stability, I come back. Um, but, um, some people are set on living in these living in these digital nomad destinations like they consider it their home and so some of the the transient aspects of the community will be a negative to them um but the interesting thing about that is like because i totally agree with you about the difference between meeting people when you're traveling and meeting mm. people as a digital nomad they're very similar yeah. right you're both like not at home and then the other person is going to go off somewhere else and you're going to go on your own way but i think the difference with that is that when you're traveling like let's say somebody's on vacation they meet the people living in the, in the room next to them at the hotel you're yeah. very likely never going to see that person again right like that's not yeah. going to happen while i think the difference with with that in terms of digital nomads is it's probably very likely you're going to see that person again. Mm. We all tend to go to the same places. 
And also we as a community, as people have the power to say like, I really like this person. I really like this group of people. I want to make it a thing to meet up with them somewhere. And like, we've done this tons of times before where like, Hey, like we met this, these people in Mexico, let's meet over here. Right. Like, so that happens and that's different than like the, it's different. And that's why I agree with you is I don't understand where this girl's point of view is that I don't want to invest in that relationship. Like you can invest in that relationship wherever it continues, maybe not in this yeah. place, but yeah, I, I guess, um, so I have friends that I met in Thailand that I'm pretty confident will never come to this region of Australia because they have the money. They, I said, come and I'll show you around. Like they just, they're not interested in this region of Australia. If I had no interest in going back to Thailand or going anywhere that they were going to go, mm. then maybe I'd just be like, okay, well this relation, this friendship's not going to go anywhere. And maybe I would kind of tune out a bit. Um, but you need to make a said, digital nomad video for that part of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I'm actually, actually had, so I'm on the Gold Coast in Australia at the moment. And I think this city is the best chance we have of a digital nomad hotspot, not like by worldwide standards, but this is, I think where I am now is like the best option in all of Australia. Mm. So um, I have done one video on this city. I'm planning to do another, but just with the whole pandemic, and uh, creating a video to a place that nobody can go to right now feels a bit weird <laughs> and um, unproductive. So it's all delayed uh, returns, right? Like delayed gratification. Yeah, I would, I'd be selling this location, and then I'd be yeah. like, "Yeah, this is great. You should come, but Australia won't let you in at the moment." So right, yeah. save it for later. Like, <laughs> where's the first place you? No, this is too easy of a question. I know what your first place is that you're going to go to outside of Australia. But if it wasn't Bali, <laughs> what would be the first place you're going to go to? Well, actually, it's it's that would be if I had to choose one place. Yeah, that would probably be the most likely one. But the way I answer this question is I really don't know what the world's going to look like post-pandemic. Um, and the world continues to change. You know, maybe two months ago, I wanted to go, I would like to go to France. But then nobody, mm. you don't want to go to France right now because I from what I have seen on the news, they're locking down again or um, the UK. So the, the, the situation in the world is just very unstable and things are locking down, reopening and uh, policies for travel are changing all the time. So it's really hard to kind of, if the question was everything went back to 2019, where would I go? Then, um, uh, so taking that pandemic out of the equation, um, because I'm a solo traveler now, I really will prioritize the places where I can meet up with people. So mm. a friend of mine uh, a few months ago was like, Hey, I'm going to Mexico with a few friends. You want to come? And I said, well, I can't really with, um, it doesn't work with my country's policy on, you know, coming in and out. Um, otherwise I would have definitely considered it, you know? So, um, yeah, I'll just see kind of where uh, where people are at. I, I kind of am done with like, I'm like not excited by Southeast Asia anymore because I've spent so long there. Mm. Um, so for me, it would be the, the regions that I'm most interested in, uh, Latin America and uh, Europe, Western Europe. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's still a lot more I want to see, but um, in terms of timing, it'd be like seeing where my friends are at. Like I have, 
another friend who's in Valencia who who's who said I can come visit. But um, again, we have to wait till this um, pandemic is over, or at least my country changes their policy um, on travel um, before me to consider doing overseas travel. Yeah, I think like you know, obviously this whole COVID situation is awful um, for tons of reasons, the least of which mm-hmm. is that we, that we can't travel, right? Like there's people that are like dying and people are losing businesses and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But one of the kind of, I mean, I always try to like, this is annoying, I think for a lot of people, but I always try to look at like the, the, the positive things or like at least try to make myself to look at the good things. And I think it's like, there's so many times that, I mean, since 2017, I basically had the freedom to go wherever I wanted to and do whatever I wanted to. And I was always like, um, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do that later because right now I want to focus on do this. And then I can kind of do that stuff later. I can always go and see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I'm like, damn, I can't wait until this is over. And there's all of these, like, I'm personally really excited to go and look at these places that I think have, um, I think post COVID, uh, like, like digital nomading is going to like explode because remote work is going to explode. And just like some percentage of those people are just going to be like, well, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to go travel. Um, I think there's a lot of parts, a lot of countries that are going to get really interesting. Like I know Georgia is already a really popular one, but I haven't Mm. been to Georgia yet that I think is going to become even more popular. Armenia as well. I was planning to go there in May actually. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's like a lot of like, just like you, like for me, it's not so much like, like traveling, but I think that there's this interesting overlap that happens between like new places and what the opportunities of these new places are along with the whole like business thing. There's that interesting overlap and there's some places that like really give me the fizz, really want to go see Georgia, want to <laughs> see Armenia, you know, like some yeah. of these countries that are really like picking it up on. Um, yeah. It was interesting, you know, I was kind of asking you how I can make this beneficial to you. You know, I always ask that to guests is like, hey, you know, do you have something that you're selling that I can promote, whatever. And you said interesting, uh, something that you said, you know, it's not about the money for you. It's about living an interesting life. And I thought that was really Hmm. interesting. Um, Yeah. What makes life interesting like for you? Like what would you like what kind of things do you look for to make your life interesting? Yeah. Um, again, it goes back to me and kind of like how my mindset is, um, you know, interviews where it's very focused on money tend to be me playing catch up because it's just like, it's not why I do what I do at all. Um, obviously there's a money component. Um, but you know, I didn't become a digital nomad because I thought that was the best way to make money, you know? So for me, like, I think variety is the spice of life in a lot of ways, you know? Um, Sometimes I'll just mix, feel like mixing things up just because. Um, Being a digital nomad was great for that because work the same and change your location um, and be suddenly experiencing a whole new culture um yeah i guess kind of doing things out of the norm is interesting um so just the 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 act alone of uh being a digital nomad is is more 
is more interesting. Um, and mm. I mean, like that's evident by me making a YouTube channel of it. If it was just a YouTube channel of me working a nine to five, like would anybody watch that? Probably not. Like it's, well, it's, there's a guy who makes videos on ants. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, but again, I wouldn't make a channel on like that because I don't right. find that particularly interesting. It's almost like it's the regular, like, for me, it was breaking the the mold, right? Because like I did everything that I was supposed to do. It was like I went to high school, got good grades, went to college or university for people outside of the US, got mm. good grades. And then I just saw the road, right? And I was like, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to leave. I'm going to get a job. And then, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just saw the path. And I was like, that doesn't seem adventurous. It almost seems yeah. like it's already been figured out for me. Is it similar for you too? Yeah, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Adventure is one of the words that resonates with me, um, mm. and kind of like the journey, the the journey of long term travel. It feels like a journey, you know. Like, mm. um, you know, when I was traveling full time, I made a video at the end of the year um, for both years where I kind of talked about the story of the year. And I was able to kind of construct a story and a journey out of, out of that year that had passed and kind of, I feel like I, it, looking back at the end of my life, I want to read an interesting tale of, of, mm. of, uh, of somebody that did something different and there was like a journey to it. Whereas if I, it's the same, I guess I'm like, um, maybe it, plays into my growth mindset. I have like a growth oriented mindset. I think for people that are very passionate about business or growing a company, we'll look back on the last year and be like, look at all these things we did with our business. We grew revenue to this. We employed more staff. We went to a new office. Um, like just, I guess to determine it for anyone listening would be this, like if you made a movie about your life or like, recapping the last year what would be a highlight reel what would be in that for some people it would be you know their business growing you know yeah. but for, for me it's like i want to i, I kind of want it to be more adventurous i want to be like out there in the world um and you know that 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 growth mindset might translate into a company one day when i have the inspiration to create something like that if and when um but for me like travel is my gateway into kind of uh going on a journey and kind of um being adventurous yeah you know i have a friend who said um my friend heath he said you know how there's a saying that like um time flies when you're having fun yeah well he said so don't you ever feel like actually for us it goes by slower and what he meant was like when you look back and I, I can really see the contrast now between like the the last year of kind of just living in an apartment here in Cincinnati versus like the previous three, four years where, you know, I've been a digital nomad. It just feels like I look back on this year and I'm like, I didn't, I just don't feel like there's been as much substance. While yeah. the previous, you know, it's, it's crazy to think like in other years, I'm like, I did all of that in a year. Like that's, in, it's insane. It's almost like, we're packing more in, in a way, like I almost feel like there's more, there's more things to anchor memories to, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, dude, um, 
Listen, I know you're in a hurry. Um, you got a busy day ahead of you. So um, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. And uh, if anybody wants to find you online, uh, where can they check you out? Literally, I'm Krista Freelancer everywhere. So you can type Krista Freelancer <laughs> into Google. You can type it into YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I think that's everywhere. Um, you don't yeah, tweet? So no, my Twitter is just like my name and I haven't tweeted in a, in a while. Um, so yeah, don't even bother following me on Twitter. Yeah, if you want to find out, uh, find my um, like uh, resources on Skillshare, for instance, it, it's still, you can still find it through ChristopherFreelancer.com. So everything, ChristopherFreelancer.com is the gateway um, to everything. Um, so yeah, you can check me out there. Awesome, man. Well, thank you uh, for finally coming on. I hope you had fun. And uh, next time, hopefully post COVID, we can uh, do beers again. <laughs>